in 86 N.M. Martin wrote the first book Of what became a cult Now it's time The Babysitter's Club I think beefsteak is a good test word, you know? A beefsteak. Beefsteak. There's beef a lot of hard steak. consonants. Yeah, it's a good test word. And, like, that F is a little slippy. Yeah. A beef steak. Well, and there are 130 of these titles. I'm sure at some point Anna Martin will have to, she, just by the constraints of the English language, she'll have to end up including the word beef steak. <laughs> so, she hasn't so, so all this practice is going to pay off. Well, there's uh, there's inevitably going to be a character called Beefsteak Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stacy and Beefsteak Jake. Boy, crazy Stacy. Boy, boy, crazy Stacy. Beefsteak, crazy Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, man. You ready to make this happen? Single, ready to mingle. Not single. I have a wife. She's in the other room. She said she has her earphones on. Oh, single, ready to mingle. <laughs> you know what's nice about this? Not single, love my wife. Um, this particular scenario is I always feel a little bad when I exile my wife to the other room. My wife. Uh, but your wife does this to you every week because she has a podcast. Yeah. Are you encouraging me to plug her podcast right now? Yeah. On our podcast? Yeah. One second, I'm adjusting my mic. Her podcast is called The Catapult, mm-hmm. and it is a podcast about new readings, mm-hmm. new literature, new writing, rocketed out, catapulted out, if you will, uh-huh. to the American listening audience. Wow, in 1987. No, no, no. 2016. The people are still writing about babysitters? And- no, no, no. <laughs> this, I see where the misunderstanding yeah. has, has cropped up. Yeah. Um, no, she's... She has uh, guests on, and they talk about their current writing that is not about babysitters, for the most part. So she's sort of babysitting New York's emerging literary elite. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, it makes me feel like a real asshole, because all these very smart people come into our house. Yeah. Most of the time, it's like Sunday afternoon, and I'm literally like sitting in my underpants <laughs> on the couch playing Xbox. <laughs> She's like, here's my husband Tanner, and like I'm drooling like, drooling on hey. herself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna put my headphones back on. I'm fully clothed now. We are at my house, a rare Tanner's house record. Did you start the podcast? I mean, we started. Yeah, we started. Okay, the, the thing is recording. Usually, you start with. Uh, what do I say? You say, "Hi, welcome to the Babysitters Club, Episode Seven. Uh, my name is Jack Shepard, and I'm Tanner Greenring." And we're here to talk about book seven in Anna Martin's glorious Babysitter's Club franchise, Claudia and Mean Janine. And what a scorcher this one was. Little backstory. Um, I grew up with the Babysitter's Club. I actually used to go visit my cousin in Maryland uh, quite a bit. And uh, while she was watching TV or playing uh, Barbie or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, I would hole up in her room and read her Babysitter's Club book. So there's a lot of nostalgia tied into this. Uh, Tanner, why do you read these books? Well, thanks for asking. You never do ask me this, but uh, it's actually a really fascinating story. I, uh, as a child, uh, was abandoned uh-huh. and was left to die and was discovered by a wild band of babysitters. Okay. And they took me in 
and wow, raised man. me. We've been friends for years. Yeah. And I've never known this about you. No, it's not something I like to talk about. I understand. But these books for me are a way of kind of connecting with who I am and the monster that I've become. Tanner, can I just say mm-hmm. um, two things? Yep. Episode seven is probably a little too early for role swaps. Okay. I'm not sure people have quite figured out associated our voices with our names yet <laughs> so they're going to be very confused by this yeah two for someone who was raised as like a feral <laughs> uncivilized boy by babysitters yeah you've turned out very well adjusted yeah handsome thank you smell great great uh just a lot of fun to be around wait are you saying this about me or are you I'm saying, being I, me saying Jack Shepard am saying this about you, Tanner Greenring. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay. Well, that's the uh, intro. I'm, I've, I, <laughs> great. This is going to be a treat to edit. <laughs> um, Do you want to start over with you doing the intro? No. Nope. All right. Let's just take it from there. Um, this is, I will say the, the following. This is a podcast. It's called The Babysitter's Club Club. It's a podcast in which we read all of the books of Anne M. Martin. Yeah. And the one we read today. Mean Janine. You said it. You said it wasn't as interesting. The one we read today was Claudia and Mean Janine, book seven. Yeah. We've already gone over this. Yeah. As you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. You know what? I think it's it's a control thing. Yeah. This must have been a really exciting book for you, man. Like your, this book was all about your problematic fave. Okay, wow. Mean Janine. That's a lot of jargon. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm coming at you hot with the millennial speak. Yeah. Uh, well, let me explain. Please. Uh, problematic fave is, so you know, you know me. You know that my desk at work is covered in Jar Jar Binks memorabilia. That's true. That is a problematic fave. That is a problematic fave. Yeah. He is a favorite character of mine because he is much maligned, but I can't help but love him, you know? Yeah. He's just so lovable. Janine, on the other hand, is not lovable. I strongly disagree. Janine, uh, for those who haven't recently read these books for some reason, uh, is Claudia's big sister. She's a she's a stupid she, know-it-all. She has a genius idiot. IQ. We've established in previous episodes that her IQ is actually, on the books, is being higher than Stephen Hawking, Bobby Fischer, Albert Einstein. None of these guys hold a candle to what Janine's IQ is. No. And it kind of comes through in this book. Right. Claudia completely doesn't understand her. She is constantly second-guessing her motives and making her life kind of a living hell. And then she turns around and writes this book called Claudia and Mean Janine. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure. I I mean, it's from her perspective. It's from her point of view. Yeah. Yeah. It's from her point of view. Um, yeah, I think, you know what? Anne M. Martin is, I, I think if you asked Anne M. Martin, and hopefully someday we will get the opportunity to. My God, I hope so. Um, if we asked her, which babysitter are you? When you were sitting down and writing these books, who did you see yourself as? Her, her answer is definitely, definitely going to be Claudia. Do you think that Anne M. Martin thinks of herself as a Claudia? I think so. I know for a fact that Anne M. Martin identifies as a Marianne. Wow, sad. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. And actually, this book uh, this week was kind of chipping away for me at the edifice of my love for Marianne. Marianne's a little bit too much of a rule follower. 
a little bit too timid, a little bit. There's a scene where she's trying to kind of teach Mimi some new words. Oh, yeah. And Mimi blows up at her. Well, let's get into that. Let's let's, let's talk about the plot. Yeah. Um, I actually don't have, I don't have anything to say about this plot. You got no stupid academic bullshit to go over right now? Here's, I mean, I can. <laughs> I don't believe you because you know why? You know why I don't believe you? Today I walk by your desk at work. Yeah. And you have your computer monitor. Mm-hmm. And then you have a secondary monitor. Mm-hmm. And on your bottom monitor, yep. you had this book open. Yep. And you were diligently reading it at work. Yep. On your top monitor, you had a Wikipedia page open to the article for sublimation. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew you were up to some some shenanigans. Well, Jesus, there is so much sublimation happening. <laughs> sure. I mean, I know that. But let's not get into sublimation yet. That's just going to confuse people. It's going to turn people off. We're trying to. I usually wait. I usually wait until halfway through the episode to bring up Freud. (laughs) Are you ready? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to explain exactly what happens in this book. No more, no less. Last time you didn't fill out your 60 seconds, and I feel like you missed it. All right, let's begin. Tanner, what happens in Babysitters Club Book Seven? Claudia and Mean Janine go. The babysitters are on summer break. Uh, they come up with this scheme to watch kids at a day camp-like scenario every morning from 9 to 12.30. All the local kids sign up. They're super into it. Uh, in the meantime, Claudia's grandmother, Mimi, has a stroke. She goes to the hospital. Uh, she slowly rebuilds her use of her mind and limbs and her vocabulary. She had a pretty bad stroke. Um, over the course of the book, Claudia and Janine are constantly fighting. Janine doesn't like to help out around the house. She's just constantly has her head buried in her books and in her computer. Um, the day camp goes off without a hitch 20 for seconds the most left. part. Um, Claudia's grandmother, Mimi, gets out of the hospital and she starts the long recovery process. Uh, she shouts at Marianne one, at one point, but it's literally totally like fine. Two pages later, she apologizes. That's it. That's pretty much all that's happened. 60 seconds. Wow. Wow, that was the least enthusiastic. Nothing Man. happens. I mean, I'm so, like huge things happen. Mimi has a stroke. But it's it's an old conflict. We already know that Janine and Claudia don't get along. I think this is at the center of who Claudia is as a character. She lives entirely in the shadow of her brilliant older sister. <laughs> it's an interesting read. And the way that she deals with that is by putting on this ar- literal armor of like cool clothing of her clothes. Yeah. Like this book to me is about like the armor that we wear. No. And shut up. Just stop it. No. This is <laughs> this is real. This is this is in the text. Okay. Go ahead. And and it's I mean to me it's a, the metaphor is a little belabored. In this case, because the armor that Claudia wears is literal clothing. Uh Uh-huh. And this point comes up a lot in the book. Uh, There's a scene in the book where the daughter of the Preziosos, Jenny Prezioso, is frightened by Karen Brewer, who says that her brother Andy is a monster. Once again, Karen Brewer stirring up trouble. Yeah. And the way that they eventually convince Jenny to... Just kind of carry on with her life and not be afraid of this monster is by keeping on this smock that she puts on over her fancy clothes that her mom dresses her up in. It's not really armor, though, because she does it out of fear. She does it out of duress. Right. Because Andy looks at her. The babysitters weaponize Andy. Right. 
and kind of whisper to him like, "Hey, get Jenny to put on this smock." Right. She always wears really nice clothes, and she always messes them up. So Andy looks Jenny in the eyes and says, "I'm a monster. Put on that smock." Right. So it's just like not to bring up toxic masculinity. Oh wow, it's again. early. It's we just got started, but yeah, this is a man asserting his dominance over a woman. All men are monsters. Yeah, I mean, like this is the thing, though, right? Like, how do we hide the monsters that we eventually become? Mm. I hate this line of reasoning. Um, here's the thing. Yeah, not to change the subject. You're Janine. Sure. I'm Claudia. Okay. I'm cool. Everyone loves me. Everyone wants to hang out with me. I'm helpful around the house. You're a super smart, bookish, nerd, know-it-all. Can I read a passage? Please. Keeping in mind that you're Janine and I'm Claudia. Okay. Please. I'm going to swap out, in real time, I'm going to swap out the word Janine for the word Jack. Okay. Okay. And you tell me if it still makes a lot of sense to you. Because as I read it, it still made a lot of sense to me. Okay, I'm going to swap out a couple words. Okay. Because you're not my sister. Great. To be frank, my friend and I have next to nothing in common. (laughs) I'm outgoing and have a lot of friends. Jack sticks to himself and has almost no friends. (laughs) That's what happens when your parents want you to be a physicist. I have a lot of interests. Reading, mysteries, babysitting, painting, and drawing. All Jack cares about is his computer. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like our relationship? I mean, it sounds we like do the, have a lot in common. Yeah. So there, there's a difference there. Janina has a huge number of interests. and it, Her, her only interest is her stupid computer. Her no. face is even turning green. Yeah, that is a line. Sick burn. It also really dates this book. Yeah. Back when computers used to. Yeah, there's to. a line. Uh, Claudia, Claudia says, Janine, wait. I said, I want to talk to you. Can you turn that thing off for a minute? Whenever it's on, you look at it, not me. Besides, I think your face is turning green. Which did take me aback for a second, because that is not a thing that happens when you're looking at a computer. Yeah, it's also... In that situation, in that specific example, I am the Janine and you are the Claudia. Right. Because so many times we've been out at lunch or at drinks or something, and I will either be looking at my phone or at a tv in the background and you will just stop talking to me to just see how long it takes me i'm glad you know what i'm glad that you noticed that (laughs) sometimes i think that you don't even notice that in my mind what's happening there for you is that everything just cuts out for a while and then you cut back in and here i still am and you're like anyway (laughs) continue to entertain me (laughs) usually there's something really cool happening on the tv man yeah like sports that i don't care about um, Janina has so many interests. She, Janine is interested in physics. She's interested in programming. She's interested in literature. She's interested in trivia. She. Uh-huh. The, I, to me, this is a book that is about how misunderstood Janine is in this family. And it's hard to totally get that reading because it's from Claudia's dumbass point of view. Yeah. Listen to this sick burn. Okay. Uh, well, why didn't you just say so? I did. Janine stood up. Very well. Have fun drawing and babysitting and shopping. How did Janine always manage to make me feel like I couldn't do anything worthwhile? And you have fun talking to your machines, I yelled as she left the kitchen. That's a really good burn. I think that there is an argument that Janine is a computer program. <laughs> Jack, real quick, why would bees 
Yeah. Why would a hive of bees uh-uh. have a computer program? <laughs> I don't think they're necessarily compatible. <laughs> I don't think that the Because bee... we've already established, last yeah. week we established that we are dealing with a hive of bees. Right. The, the Stony Brook, Connecticut is actually a beehive, and all of the characters and the babysitters are bees. I'm going to... Well, we can try to put them together. I think that these might be conflicting theories. Okay. But let me air this for a second. Uh-huh. Here's my evidence. The line that I just read that Janine is... Basically, Claudia almost only talks to Janine when she's in front of the computer. Yeah. And her face is turning green. She's sort of taking on these aspects of the computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, to me, read a little bit like a lawnmower man type scenario. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's also established very early on that Janine is taking a class in programming. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in the book where she's like, and this is typical of Janine and Claudia's interaction, which is one of the reasons that Claudia really pisses me off, where Claudia is like, hey, Janine, how was your day? And Janine is like, oh, I... Beep, I'm a robot. <laughs> no, that's not how... That's not... That's how Claudia describes it, right? Yeah. But Janine is like, what she she actually says is something like, oh, thanks for asking. I had a fascinating day. I am writing this computer program. And it's really, and then before she can finish, Claudia goes, boring. Yeah. And then just kind of. Good, good. Got her. Woo. Got her. It's never established what that is. Yeah. Uh, So that's, there's something interesting to do with Janine and this program. At some point she also says like, I I just love code so much. It's just so logical. Yeah. And this book, like my, this week, like my notes, my semiotics section was just like off the <laughs> fucking charts. Like, did you notice that in your semiotics section in your notes? Like yeah. there's just like, this week it's just like all this stuff about like the breakdown of signifiers. Um, and Weirdly, like, my semiotics section was a little sparse this week, but my sick fucking burn Claudia <laughs> section is yeah. just, my cup runneth over. Yeah. Well, good. The sickest burns. Well, we'll get into that. But here's my final icing on this particular cake. Mimi has a stroke. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm aware. she says the wrong words. She doesn't know how to talk at first. She keeps slipping into Japanese. And the first big breakthrough that they have with her is when Claudia realizes that I'm one sorry, blink. Who? Claudia. Who realizes? Claudia realizes she's seen the Matrix. She realizes that one blink means yes yeah. and two blinks means no. Right. Mimi is talking in binary. Okay. And Claudia suddenly sees it. Like, Claudia, whose like, IQ is maybe half of what Janine's is. Oh, I would say a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's essentially illiterate. She's, she can't, she's essentially illiterate. She can't spell. But there is this moment where she suddenly sees the code, right? Where it's like this book is about the breakdown of language. It's about the breakdown of communication. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm compelled by your point that it's binary. Good. And I want you to take me home. Let me ask you, let me let me clear the air here and ask you a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. How many elephants can you fit in a sports car? <laughs> I know the answer, but I didn't get the joke. Yeah, me neither, man. And here's the problem is like, this is a David Michael joke. Yeah. David Michael sends this joke along via Claudia to Mimi to cheer who's her up, recovering from a stroke. Yeah, and who's having who has aphasia and is having a lot of trouble with words and connecting thoughts. Yeah, and Claudia, by way of David Michael, decides that it would be really helpful to hit Mimi with this joke. Right? How many elephants can you fit in a sports car? 
The answer to which is four? Six. Six. Three in the front and three in the back. Right. I don't get it. I don't get it either. <laughs> like, I can kind of see a version of the joke. Is, that's it a like, trunk? is it a trunk joke? Is it trunks? Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> that is good. Is it a trunk joke? There's, there's something we, there with can trunks. Can we fix this joke okay. for David Michael? Elephant trunks, three in the front. Elephant trunks. Trunks. Uh, one in the trunk. One Two in the in trunk. The junk. The trunk. The trunk is in the back. Here's a joke. What's the difference between an elephant and a sports car? In one case, the trunk is in the front. Yeah. In the other case. In the, the other trunk case. Is in the front. <laughs> the, other, the trunk is in the back. I think most, like. High-end sports cars, the trunk is also in the front. They okay. put the engine in the back. Why is an elephant like a sports car? Because the trunk is in the front. <laughs> it's not a good joke. It's not a good joke, and it's just like confusing this woman who's trying to make sense of the world again. She has aphasia. Yeah. Maybe it's an anti-joke. It feels like an anti-joke, but like the way that I would do that as an anti-joke is I would say, how do you fit six elephants in a sports car? Put three in the front and three in the back. I think maybe one of two things is happening. Right. It's a bad Mm anti-joke. Or David Michael, being a seven-year-old boy, mixed up the joke. Okay. And what I want to do is find... The real joke. The real joke. Okay. But it's difficult. I did a search for elephant sports car joke. An elephant joke is a joke, almost always an absurd riddle or conundrum and often a sequence of such that involves an elephant, is what the Wikipedia page reads. Oh my god. Jack, I think I cracked it. There's a second part of the joke. Okay. How many elephants will fit into a sports car? Something, in one in the trunk. No, just pretend you were Mimi recovering from a stroke. Okay. And I am Claudia relaying a joke to you, but I also... All right. I got the hang second on. part of the joke. My Claudia. Yeah. Thank Ooh, you. Gross. Thank you for coming to visit me after I've had this massive trial in my life. Hey, no problem, Grandma. Um, David Michael couldn't come. I don't who, know why he would. Literally, who the fuck is that? Um, it's one of the... Christie's brother. Okay. He couldn't come, but he has a joke he wanted me to relay to okay. you. Okay. Uh, can we have some of? Can we have some of our special tea? How many elephants? Do you think the special tea is drugs? How many elephants? I thought, I thought about maybe it. Maybe it's like peyote. At one point, they're like, "Let's have some of the special tea," and then Janine is like, "I don't know. Our parents might get home and find out." Yeah, and it also might be like a little too late. Mimi yells at Marianne one time. Marianne yeah. has to watch Mimi at one point, and oh, she so is helping nice. her with like her flashcards, and and Mimi gets a little fed up and kind of blows up at Marianne. Yeah. And then goes and has a cup of special tea. And then everything is super chill Just after that. calms down. Yeah. I mean, that could be, that's on the cards. All right, tell me this joke. Tell me, uh, my Claudia. Yeah. My Claudia. Yeah. Tell me this joke. How many elephants, Grandma? Yes. This is a joke from David Michael, Chrissy's brother. Okay. Uh, there's two parts to this joke. I have aphasia. Yeah. Well, this will help because it's kind of a complex joke. Okay, great. Uh, there's two parts. Okay. In some alternate reality, we were... Instead of both being men in their Mm mid-30s, you are an elderly woman and I am your granddaughter. I know that. I know that. The first part is what confused me. This men in their mid-30s. Well, in this reality... I am... Never mind. Okay. You have an aphasia. This isn't going to make sense to you. Right. Can I clarify? Can I be Janine now for a second? Yeah. 
aphasia doesn't mean that it's difficult for me to understand things. It means it's difficult for me to convey things using language. How many elephants mm-hmm. will fit into a sports car? I, I would imagine none. Six. Three in the front, three in the back. Okay. How many drafts will fit into a sports car? Six, I guess? None. There's no room. Too many elephants. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Did you just make that up? No, that's a Wikipedia. I'm on the Wikipedia for <laughs> elephant jokes. And it's on there. I think there was this a is, second so part of the joke that was missing. Either that joke was like common currency in the 80s, and so everybody got it. I guess. Mimi didn't get it. <laughs> Mimi was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I literally just had a stroke, and you're telling me this like weird absurdist like i'm having trouble assigning signs to signifiers and you're telling me about elephants and sports cars uh that's funny that's a pretty funny joke yeah i think elephant jokes mm-hmm. there's a wikipedia page for elephant jokes i think in general they're weird absurdist jokes okay can i may i read you another please how do you shoot a purple elephant oh you're gonna hate this one that's it because it's about cruelty to animals. Yeah. yeah, I already didn't like it. I was going to say uh, you shouldn't. How do you, how do you shoot? <laughs> They're all about shooting elephants, weirdly. Mm. How do you get two whales in a sports car? That's not an elephant joke. It's Wait. a continuation of the elephant joke that we were on before. Okay, uh, you ask, get all the elephants out first. Along the M4 and across the Severn Bridge. It's a play on words. How do you get two whales in a sports car? How do you get two whales? Wales is a country in well, you, the United Kingdom. The way you inflected that made no sense. You should have said, how do you get to Wales? Yeah, no. How do you get to Wales in a sports car? Yeah, along the M. How do you get two Wales in a sports car? <laughs> That's pretty good, man. How do you know there are two elephants in your refrigerator? Uh, oh, footprints in the butter. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. How'd you know that one? I don't know, man. It kind of freaked me out that I knew it. How do you know there? this is a run? Okay, how do you know there are three elephants in the refrigerator? Uh, no, I don't know. Can't close the door. How do you know there are four elephants in your refrigerator? Nope. Empty sports car parked outside. <laughs> That's funny. Pretty good. This is a good segment where I just read Wikipedia pages. Uh, to you. Yeah, we should rename this podcast. Here, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Elephant in the sports car. That was a segue, and you kind of stepped on it. Yeah. Much like an elephant in butter. Mm-hmm. What was your tearful moment this week? I can tell you because I captured it. I'm surprised that you were able to capture just one. This mm. book, while being somewhat low on content compared with some of the other books, the stuff about Claudia's grandmother, Mimi, who has a stroke and almost dies and then struggles to come back from it. I can't quite remember what the exact tearful moment was, but it was when they were in the hospital with Mimi. Oh, you know what it was? She excitedly went back to her parents and explained, because they could only go in one at a time and talk to Mimi for 10 minutes at a time. Right. And Claudia used her 10 minutes developing this system of blinks and then went back to everyone else and was like, guys, I figured out this system. And Claudia's mom was really excited. Mm -hmm. And Claudia's mom went in and talked to her mom. Right using this powerful system of blinks. And I think that that really got to me and kind of made me chuck up a little bit. I can So I read this book at work, which I probably shouldn't admit on air. Yeah. We've already discussed it once, though. Yeah. 
uh, I read this book. You know, I'm a Janine level reader, so it's only only took me an hour or so mm-hmm. to read the book. So it's not like I was taking away too much of the old company money. Yeah, you were also about forty five minutes late to this recording because you had <laughs> to finish it <laughs> at home. I. If you had looked at me at any point during my reading of this book, there's a pretty strong chance that you would have noticed my eyes welling up with tears. Really? This... You're like me with last book. Yeah. We both have our triggers. For me, it's like divorce and marriage. Right. And for you, it's some... Yeah, last book, which is about Christie's divorcee mom marrying her new man yeah just beautiful left me cold really the, i just didn't what about the family tree stuff no it just God, didn't, it was so beautiful didn't do much for me and i like i didn't bring this up when we were talking about it last week but i was like uh child or divorce my like my parents are happily married they love each other very very much my mom loves her current husband very very right much. so that must be nice for you i can imagine why that would bring emotions to the forefront mm-hmm this one for me, I don't, I don't, I don't care to speculate. This isn't a psychotherapy session, but this stuff about Mimi, like having this stroke and the babysitters rallying around, just really got to you. Huh? It just really, really got to me. Are you choking up now? Because <laughs> you keep turning away from the mic and clearing your throat. I don't. The babysitters all show up and they bring. Mimi, all these gifts that, like, the babies that they're, they're babysitting have written these thank you cards for her. And that display brought me to tears. Yeah. Mary Ann, at some point, asks to visit Mimi in the hospital. Right. Oh, God, you know what my tearful moment was? Yeah. Oh, shit, I just remembered. Hit me. I just remember what my tearful moment was. Please. Claudia tells the babysitters. Yeah. I did have a couple different moments. You're it's right. fucking full of it, man. The book is full of it. It's like full of like boring stuff about Claudia picking out her fucking dumb outfits, and then this just pow- then it'll hit the next chapter will be this powerful fucking thing about this like this woman who is on the brink of death who is becoming a a baby after having been like this wise elder and is suddenly having to be babysat and taken care of and this like horrible reversal where it's like this is a novel that is about transformation. And the transformation that Mimi is undergoing is the final transformation where we say goodbye to this mortal coil. Oh, and then gosh, the next she fucking... She addresses at one point. There's like a big blow up. There's right. a fight. They were playing Trivial Pursuit. And Claudia says something petty to Janine. Uh, and Janine storms off. And Mimi's like, that wasn't very nice. And Claudia was like, yeah, well, Janine's a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Mimi's like... Good night, Claudia, and goes to her room and has a stroke. Has a fucking stroke. She falls off the bed. So Claudia blames herself. Right. For Mimi's As she stroke. should. Yeah. She's convinced that she is the reason. And Mimi, in all her infinite capacity for compassion, says, no, Claudia, of course this wasn't your fault. Just an old lady, and my body's starting to break down. You know? She, she confronts her death head on. Yeah. And she says, this is it. I'm, I'm standing at the edge of the void. Just screaming into the blackness and i have you here holding my hand but is that enough i don't know here's what she says yeah is that i think that was a word for word paraphrase well i so i wrote down early on in this book wait you didn't let me tell you what my oh shit sorry yeah the first day of playdate is the first day after mimi's stroke and claudia has to go and tell everyone all the fellow babysitters 
And she tells everyone, and everyone is very sympathetic except Marianne, who just shuts down. Yeah. Because Marianne has looked up to Mimi as both a grandmother and a mother figure because her own mother died some years ago. Yeah. She has a lot of love for Mimi. And instead of, oh, no, is she going to be okay? Marianne just shuts down. She just stares blankly at, at space in front of her. And she doesn't know what to fucking do. No. Then when she collects herself, she asks if it would be okay for her to visit Mimi in the hospital. Think about this. That was definitely my tearful moment. Think about being 12 years old and asking to visit, like, your friend's grandma in the hospital. <laughs> like, there is no way that I would have had the, like, empathy and worldliness no. to do anything other than, like, just super awkwardly be like, oh, uh, that sucks. <laughs> you know, when I got to college, and they, I'm, I'm realizing as I embark upon this tale that it sounds like a Janine kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. Sounds but right for you. One of the first things I did when I got to college is I decided that it, I needed to be able to be, like, more empathetic to people in conversation. Mm-hmm. And so... I had this moment early That is a on. very Janine thing to think. I had this moment early on in college where I stood in front of a mirror and I practiced saying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like a doctor delivering bad news? Just, no, just like I, in the past, had totally fumbled in a moment like that where somebody was like, oh, hey, sorry, I was late. I, my grandma had a stroke. And I would be like, oh, yeah. And so I was like, I need something to say in the, in this kind of scenario. And I'm so bad I at it too, man. Just I'm... over and over, just being like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Did it work? Did it, it worked? Did it happen? Incredibly well. Very very shortly after doing that practice, somebody that I know had some like calamity happen to them, and I just looked them straight in the eye and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm and so they were like, Great, thanks for saying that. And I was like, Awesome. Now we can move on. We don't have to. I still can't do it, man. Yeah. I'm an adult man. I just still, like, it takes every shred of my willpower to not just crack some joke. Yeah. Like, when you started talking about grandma having a stroke, my mind just immediately clicked into, like, well, your grandma could stroke me. (laughs) Oh, no. That's so unfortunate. (laughs) Which would be a terrible thing to say to anyone, let alone, like, a young Oh, man, I laughed so hard that it made your dog bark. Yeah. It's a very late record. It's a very late record. My wife and my dog are already in bed. It's late. It's late at night in the Green Ring household. Tanner's wife is in bed. Tanner's dog is nonstop barking. (laughs) He hates people. He hates hates what his life has become. Let's, uh, Let's... we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I just kind of want to say what Mimi says. At Claudia's grandma says at the end of the book when she's trying to explain to Claudia what the fuck's going on. Keep in mind, she's still suffering from aphasia. She's still suffering from aphasia. Yeah. Here's what she says: Time is change. As long as there is time, there is change. Uh huh. It sounds like something out of the Dark Tower. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I had previously written down while I was taking notes on like the being and becoming that happens in this book. Mm-hmm. 
like the stuff in particular where this boy Andrew, Andy. who is Andy, who is uh, a monster, Karen Brewer's brother. She talks about him becoming a monster. She says at ten o'clock every day he turns into a monster, mm-hmm. and so there is all of this concern with becoming. And in my ontology section, in my notes, don't it's don't yawn. <laughs> I'm talking. To you. It's so late, and what you're saying is so boring. No, in my ontology <laughs> section, in my notes, I had already I had written down all this stuff about being and becoming, and about uh, Nietzsche in particular, who <laughs> following. Uh, that, okay, go ahead. Who says that being is an empty fiction, and the only reality is becoming. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly the sentiment that Mimi echoes in that moment. Yeah. Time is change. Time is change. As long as there is time, there is change. Hey, time for bed. Am All I right? that we are is be- this. I'm just getting started. You never, you didn't even, you didn't even scratch the surface on sublimation and you're not going to because the episode's over. Um, all right. Well, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, Janine at one point has a pretty sick burn. Uh, Claudia has a pretty sick burn on Janine. Janine says something stupid and nerdy, and Claudia's response is simply to just say, "Nerd," <laughs> and then Janine storms out of the room. Just really got me. This man. is a book about like the abuse of this woman. This, you like- have literally. This is your move. You talk a big talk. Yeah. But last summer, some guy yelled at you for biking on the sidewalk, and you turned to him, and you yelled I right in his nerd. stupid face, nerd, and you loved it. You loved, loved it so it. much that you retold the story to me. And over you and took over it again. over. And I took Let, it. Allow me to recommend this to our listeners. Yeah. If somebody, it's like, especially if you live in New York, there are certain people who, like, break the New York code. Like, the New York code in general is is just kind of ignore people and let them live their life, even yeah. if they're being annoying. We're all breaking the rules. And we're all breaking the rules. We're all doing just weird shit that we need to do to just get by in this yeah. fucking teeming city full of ant people. Yeah. But... Or bee people. Or bee people, depending on how you look at things. But sometimes some people just don't totally understand that, and they'll say some shit like, as happened to me, um, actually, sir, uh, sir, you're riding the wrong way in the bike lane. And there are a lot of things that go through your mind in those moments. Like, you want to say, fuck you, or like, so I, like I am sometimes moved to violence, but... <laughs> Like not actual violence, but no. like to want to want to commit an act of violence, or to or to just like yell something biting and cutting, or like to stop and engage with the person, right. and that in itself kind of breaks the code. Right. It but there's a, there's a perfect way to encapsulate all of that in perfect, one word. Perfect. The perfect way out. The perfect way out is just scream at the top of your lungs, nerd, and it just like. It totally releases all the tension yeah, because man. there's no way to be on the receiving end of that insult. There's just no recovering out, just feeling like a nerd. And you like, just you can't say you've, there's no I've, defense. Like I've caught you up in my discourse now. Yeah, the best you could do is something like splutter, like oh, I'm not a nerd, <laughs> <laughs> it's the nerdiest which thing is you could the say. nerdiest possible thing. Uh, yeah, you told me this story, and weeks later, I was biking, and I stopped at a red light and recognized that there was a big pack of slow-moving people in front of me, so I went up to the front of the pack at the red light, which is called shoaling, and it's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Light turned green. I was distracted by my phone. Everyone who I had previously passed had to pass me, <laughs> which is like a shitty move, admittedly, and some dude came up behind me and was like, 
uh, you shouldn't surge to the front of the line unless you're going to move on a green light. And I just looked him in the eyes and I said, nerd. Nerd. And man, he just was devastated. <laughs> like next, the next intersection, he turned off and like got away from me as quick as possible. Because I think he just, he was just crushed. It's business. good. It just, it brings back all these flashbacks. And it's also like, it's got to be a moment of realization. Where it's like, it's not the interaction you expect. You would expect to engage in like a hearty debate about like traffic bylaws. No, I, here's the problem, man. We both knew we were wrong. Yeah. But we're not going to take it. Yeah. No, that's true too. So in this moment, yeah, you and I are both Claudius. Welcome to the club. Oh, shit. Welcome to being a Claudia. Right along with me, man. You were a, There was a Claudia within you all along. I don't think You're so, You're no man. Janine. You're no Janine. You're as much Claudia as any of us. I wear my clothes as armor. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You're wearing a shirt with a cat on it right now. Yeah. It's my only protection against this cruel world. Yeah. Welcome. God, man. Everything flows, man. Everything goes from the beginning back to the beginning. You start off as a child and you're babysat, and you end up as a fucking old aphasia Fuck, it would be lady, so... And you're being babysat. It would be so potent if I could remember Mimi's quote right now. But I definitely can't. Time has changed. Time has changed. Time has changed, man. Mimi is so fucking... Hey, time has changed? But you yeah. know what? Time isn't changed. All right. Listen. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. At the end of this book, they tease the next book. Yeah. Sun City. Sea uh, City. Sea City. A phone call comes through to the Babysitter's Club. Dawn answers. She's like, "Oh, sorry, I can't do that. Unfortunately, she seems really bummed out." She turns to the ba- she hangs. She's like, "But we'll figure somebody out who can do it." Hangs up the phone. Turns to the babysitters. She's like, "I can't make this, but Mrs. Pike needs two babysitters to be childminders." On it had a, trip a weird name. What did she call it? Sea City. Mommy's helpers. Mommy's helpers to be mommy's helpers on a trip to Sea City. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And Marion's like, oh, I'm, I can do it. And then Stacy is like, I also can do it. So I think next book, which is called Boy Crazy Stacy, yeah. is going to be. They're going to be going to see Marion and Stacy, who completely incompatible. Yeah. Ooh. Completely Ooh. incompatible. That's going to be fun. There's no way these two can get along. I can't wait to get into whether or not Sea City, New Jersey is an actual city. It's going to be, yeah. they're going to the Jersey Shore. There's in 1987. Be, when in 1987, the there's boys, there's lifeguards, there's Marianne and Stacy. Uh, I'm excited to read it. to be helped. I know you're excited to read it. Uh-huh. And I hope you'll read along with us. In time for the next episode of the Babysitter's Club Club. Thank you for joining us. I've been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. And this was a podcast that you listened to. Great. Good. Great outro. Nailed it. Claudia's wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you think boys had just been invented. Yeah. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult now it's time the babysitter's club Claudia and beefsteak Jake beefsteak tomato well, who's beefsteak Jake? someone I've made up <laughs>